This is Unclaimed Bands, episode 10. Hey, music lovers, welcome to another special edition of Unclaimed Bands. I'm Amanda Mayhem, here with Sean, and we are interviewing Blood Feast via Skype phone. How are you guys doing today? All right. I'm Chris Natalini on vocals. Tom Lorenzo on bass. Bass guitar. Adam Sinclair. John Blitchard is guitar. Kevin's our, Kevin's our drummer. <laughs> I play drums. Cool. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. How did you guys come together? As far as the history of the band goes, I mean, we started back about 84, 85. Um, pretty much the brief history stands is, you know, we, we got signed to New Renaissance Records, put out uh, two full-length albums, an EP, Kill for Pleasure, Faith Spade, Chopping Block Blues. Um, we were a band up until about 1992 or 93, I believe. Um, we disbanded. Um, the original members uh, have you know, faded into the past. Some of them aren't playing instruments anymore. And over the past, uh, I'd say, I don't know, past two years or so, I've been trying to get the, been trying to get the guys back together to do some shows because we've had some good opportunities. And, uh, you know, we've, we've always had the request of people that were interested in the band and people that were interested in, you know, hearing us play and all that kind of stuff. So um, it wasn't going to work out well as far as getting the original members back. So I was playing in a band called Anunnaki with John, and what we decided to do was uh, we started playing the Blood Feast stuff, and uh, we got Adam incorporated into the band. We had some different members over the past, like, I guess, what, year and a half or two years or something like that that we started doing it. And um, now we're in this lineup, and, and we're, we're pretty much, uh, this is the new era of Blood Feast. Nice. I was in a band with Adam. Well, I was in a band with Adam. Uh, this is Tom, by the way. I was in a band with Adam called With That End for since 2002. And when they decided to reform it this last time, I guilted him into getting me to play bass in the band. So I got in uh, about a, what, not even a year ago, I guess, right? At, at gunpoint. Gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. Gunpoint and guilt. No. That's really the name of your next song, Gunpoint and Guilt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I had to guilt him into it. I had to, I had to piss him off. Let's talk a little bit about the songwriting process. Guide us through what a typical songwriting session is like for Blood Feast. Typical songwriting section. Um, session. I would say uh, myself, I'll write a song or Adam will write a song. We'll record it. We'll send it over to Kevin because you know, he only lives six and a half hours away. So we'll send <laughs> it over to him. Um, he'll listen to it. And then when he comes in, we'll, we'll work that song through. Um, or those two songs through, we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll break up the day. I'll work on a song with him, um, and then Adam will come in, then he'll work on his song with him, and then we'll break, have some dinner, and then we'll come back, and then we'll work on the set, or work on those two songs, and just start to incorporate them into the normal rotation. Um, and at that point, you know, Chris will write some words, or you know, Adam will throw some words in, or I'll throw some words in, and we'll, we'll take it from there, and it will develop into a band um, idea or composition as opposed to just our individual, you know, processes that come through. Um, and that's it. That's, that's how it's been working. Um, you know, we're really, this, at this point, writing new material is kind of new to this band since we've all been in separate bands and now we've decided to go ahead and write new material. So 
Um, we're kind of new to this writing process within this group, but it seems to be working out. Um, everybody seems to be like-minded, and I've got to tell you, we, we get along better than probably most bands that we've all been in. So we're all very happy to be on the same page. And, you know, we goof around, have a good time. You know, we get mad at each other. We love each other. We hate each other. And it's, 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 it all just, you know, works out at the end of the day. So, so we're, we're pretty, pretty comfortable with each other. I love all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's the lyrical content behind your songs? Gore. Chris, yeah, you'll have to take that. Be something evil, um, yeah, of course. It seems that, like, uh, coming into this band as the, the new guy, reading their, their lyrics from their songs before, it's very uh, horror movie-inspired vampires, cannibals. Um, there are some, as, there, as the time apparently went on, they got a little more, I don't want to say political, but they got a little more uh, in-your-face kind of what's going on in today's world. Uh, I think it's a kind of a mixture of reality and fantasy. And with the new songs, we're going to kind of, stay along that line because we don't really want to go outside of what Blood Feast used to be. We're just kind of expanding the history of the songs. That's it's right. Be, it's not the evolution, of course. It's got to move forward. It can't just right. stay still. Right. It's got to, you know, it's got to go yeah. forward, I think. Yeah. And through the new ones we have now, although there are no titles for them, we're going to be, you know, they're, their lyrical content might, may dive back a little bit into history. We have like an off your, you know, off with your head, and maybe working off the plague again, uh, the Black Plague in, in the um, 14th century. So you're gonna you're gonna hear some stuff like that, but it's gonna be focused uh, amongst the um, the blood and the gore of that. It's gotta be about human misery, of course. Yeah. Of course. Speaking of horror movies, are you aware that there's a horror movie called Blood Feast, and that play into the band name at all? Yeah, that was that was like pretty much how we got the band name. I mean, I remember originally the band used to be called Bloodlust, and um, what happened was again when we first got the band together, we were known as Bloodlust, and we released a a demo tape under that name and everything, and we were promoting ourselves like that. And then as we got signed uh, to New Renaissance, we were made aware of the fact that Metal Blade Records signed a band called Bloodlust to put out like I think like a six song EP or something like that through Metal Blade. And um, we had to come up with a new name because their, their record came out before, you know, we, we actually, you know, did our contract. So we sat down um, and everyone, I remember just writing down names, you know, just continually writing down names. And we didn't really want to stray too far away from bloodlust. Like we were trying to keep something with either blood or lust in it or something like that from what I can remember. And, um, and Blood Feast was one of the names that we decided to go with because it was on that piece of paper, and yeah, it, it pretty much came directly from that movie. So we're, I mean, we're fully aware of it. Let, awesome. let me make a side note on that. Actually, Without End, we had played a festival in Chicago about, I'd say, uh, four or five yeah. years ago, and we actually played with that band, Bloodlust. They had reformed and played the same festival. It was a classic Great. metal festival. And we played with that band, Bloodlust, in Chicago. Uh, 2005 or 2004, I can't remember the date exactly, but is that wild? Nice. No, that is, that is pretty cool. Well, speaking of bloodlust, let's hear it. Give me five every life 
You can pretty much get the music on iTunes. Uh, you can go to Amazon. Everything's available for download exclusively. Um, and in the near future, there's a good possibility that we actually might be re-recording some of the uh, some of the old songs, maybe some new stuff. Um, it's in the talks, and at that point, you'd be able to get like physical copies of a CD if we decide to go that route. But as of right now, like I said, the only thing that you can do is pretty much go to iTunes and uh, and Amazon. Why are you planning on re-recording some of the music? Um, I think what it is is, I mean, obviously the, the songs were recorded back, you know, I mean, you're talking, we did those recordings starting back in like 1985, 86, and I think that, you know, with it being a new band, um, different musicians, different kind of musicianship, we've all grown as musicians, um, and again, just playing with different people, you know, again, we only, there's only two original members left from the band that are in this lineup right now, I think that there's just a big difference as far as how we play and how we play live. And I think that it would be great to get across, you know, some of that older material, the way that we actually play it now, have it sound a lot better recording-wise, that type of thing. So I, I think it would be interesting, and I think, I think a lot of people would be actually interested in hearing how, how you know, how we'd go about doing those songs today. Because like I said, it's just, it's just a different vibe. I mean, you know, I was there from the beginning, and I'm here now. So it's one of those things that it's just a natural musician progression to get better as you play things and, and as a musicianship, you know, as a musician yourself, you know, being, becoming a better musician and just playing with these guys now is probably like, I mean, everybody in the band that I play with right now is probably the best musicians I've ever played with, so, you know, oh, getting okay. it down on tape would probably be great. Kevin, with going back in to re-record uh, the original material, uh, how have you, how do you think it's going to affect uh, the way that things were recorded back in late 80s, early 90s, and now, I mean, as far as technology goes? Well, the technology, I mean, obviously has grown tremendously from the time that, you know, we recorded these these original songs. I mean, you know, when we were recording, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the recordings themselves are pretty raw. 
I mean, if you go back and listen, especially like Pills for Pleasure, that, that, that's a really, really raw recording. And I mean, the reason it really came out like that, to be honest with you, was we went to a really good studio in, uh, in Hoboken, New Jersey to record. I mean, Lenny Kravitz recorded his first two or three records at that same studio. And it really turned out that, you know, the guys that were running the place and, and were, you know, were, were, you know, were engineering their recording session, the issue really became that they had no idea how to record the kind of music that we were playing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we so heard... A new, new thing. Fresh was a new thing, that it was just kind of foreign to a lot of studios back in the day. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, you know, Lenny Kravitz had a great sound out of that studio. I mean, we heard Lenny Kravitz record there. We heard a bunch of other bands that they did, and it all sounded awesome. I mean, it was all great. But when we got in there, and for the type of style of music that we were playing, it just wasn't working. I mean, we had three different engineers try to, like, record us and use different tech, you know, use different techniques and all that kind of stuff. And now, you know, obviously between the recording equipment itself and between engineers being a lot more, you know, knowledgeable with this type of music, I think, um, there's a lot better chance that obviously we'll come out with a way better production quality than we did back in the day. So I think that's a big issue, you know? Yep. Excellent. So you're expecting the process to go a lot smoother, obviously. I would think it would be a lot smoother. I mean, again, we were, you know, we were young before and we were never in the studio until we started really recording like our demo and then going into like a bigger studio to record the albums. And I mean, we didn't really have a lot of experience in the studio. We didn't know what to expect. We were actually looking, you know, to these engineers to get us the sound that we wanted. And it just wasn't happening. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, the rawness of it, I think is a good thing because I think that it, it's, it's that type of music. I mean, you don't want to overproduce this kind of music, in my opinion, you know? I mean, once everything starts getting overproduced, it just turns out to be kind of like, it just don't sound right, you know? I mean, I love the grittiness of, like, Kills for Pleasure and stuff like that, but if you listen to Kills for Pleasure and then you put on something like, you know, the Face State EP, it's just recorded a lot better. I mean, we still kept our sound, we still kept the grittiness, but the production quality was just that much better. And I think, you know, I just, I just think, especially in this, in this day and age, when you put on a record, you, you're, you're going you're, you're gonna to want to expect a certain quality when you listen to it, you know? And I think, again, because of the time and the era that we're in now as far as recording and with, you know, with the experience we have now as a band, you know, being in the studio several times and recording, and then I think what will happen is, you know, we're going we're gonna to wind up, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have that experience now. So I just think it'll, it'll be, you know, we'll be better off and we'll, we'll be able to do just a really good killer sounding album. You mentioned how it was difficult at first to find an engineer and producer to match your sound, and now it's it's better. You're able to find that. How do you seek that? Like, how should the younger thrash metal bands go out there and seek engineers that can fit their style? Well, I don't. I guess I'll take this one. I don't think it's that hard to find them. Um, we didn't go searching for one. We um, Adonis went and recorded their CD in um, Tracks East. Um, with Eric Fortek, and he knew what we wanted right off the bat. He's he's familiar with it. Shadows Falls recorded there. Um, nice. In the 80s, they did stuff like Skid Row um, and uh, other bands of that era. And, um, you know, we also lucked out when we went to mastering it because, you know, we've got Alan Duchess, or I think it's pronounced that way. And, you know, he, he was doing stuff like Cannibal Corpse, Suffocation, um, you know, The Misfits. So, you know, again... We we fell into a per, the lap of a person that knew what they were doing, and I think that was the same thing. And, and Tom could take it from here. I, I think that was the same um, thing when it came to doing without end with Tom. Tom, what do you what do you say? 
Well, what's that? And we went to Big Blue Meanie up in Jersey City. And the guy that the engineer that worked for us was a younger guy, and we knew he was into the same style of music that we were doing. So he knew what we want. You know, he knew what we wanted, and of course, Adam had a big influence on me. The recording because he knew what he wanted. Uh, well, I had, I had, well, I mean, I consider them guys my friends, and they have done some pretty good albums there. I mean, Sepultura did, I think, uh, either either it was uh, Roots there or yeah, yeah, Sepultura and Helmet did their album there, and uh, a bunch of you know they've done real heavy heavy stuff there, and I was happy with it. And Tim was a good friend of mine; he gave me a real good deal. He spent a lot of time on it, and then he recommended me to uh, Brad Blackwood and Euphonic Masters, and he did like Evanescence and things like that, and a lot of other heavy bands that I can't even name at the moment. But uh, you know, just just being connected with good people, I think you know, and, and uh, but this blood piece is there's going to be a different approach on this one now. I don't I don't know, you know, if we're going to do this digital or anything like that, or you know, mm-hmm. kind of exploring the whole the whole everything. You know, I, I, I'm an old school guy. I like the two inch, but uh, right. we'll see what what happens with this. I mean, I'm approaching it different because I'm approaching this with two guitar players also, and so my whole writing from from with that ends to uh, blood pieces is a bit different. You know, so I'm just approaching it all different. But right, uh, I I'd but, have to agree with uh, that. And we all know what sound yeah. we're looking for now. And, you know, we've all been in the yeah. studios. And, you know, Adam's been in the studio and, and basically producing his albums. And, you know, I sat through the whole process of doing the Anunnaki album and, and being there and knowing what sound we wanted. And we all seem to work out. So we know what we want this time. And, you know, if we have someone that can we can work with and knows what we want as well, it just goes that much faster and that much better as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't think, I was going to say, I don't think that, we necessarily need any producer. We did, you know. I've always done that myself, and I continue, plan to continue on doing it uh, on ourselves too. You know, here. yeah, and uh, you know, but with just a good engineer that's got, you know, got some, you know, something under his belt that's heavy. You know, now like when we first went with Blood Feast, and they, were, uh, they didn't know what the hell to do with us because you know they never heard anything like it. They were used to doing Julian Lennon and Lenny, Lenny Kravitz, so. <laughs> When uh, they saw us, they didn't know what to do. But you know, it'll be hey, um, state, so. Adam, you uh, you mentioned there about uh, changing up gear. Can you guys uh, talk a little bit about what, kind of, what you're using? Uh, uh, well, I personally like. I have a nice. Uh, I like it. It's a JCM 2000 Marshall 50 watt. I have a 100 and a 50. I, I prefer my 50 watt really. And uh, in the studio, it seems to have gotten a better sound also. You know, it's an old-school sound, I guess, but John could probably elaborate a little more about uh, the exactness of the whole sound. But that's why I have a JCM 2000. Well, well, other than updating and upgrading the Marshall heads, I think our sound has basically stayed the same. Um, We're both uh, Marshall freaks. We both have the Marshall heads. He has a JCM 2000, 100 watt and 50 watt. I'm a fan of the old 800s and the um, the early 900 XLSs, which were made for thrash. Has an extra gain thing on it. So other than that, we use it's it's Marshall straight up. We go out Marshall stack. We throw an Ibanez tube screamer in front of it, and um, you know a wah pedal for the leads. And it's it's that's as plain as you can get. It's it's you know it's it's you know yeah, denim jacket the thrash metal. You know, yeah, that's yeah. really all it is as far as guitars. Adams, you know. Thrashing out on um, Jackson's. He's got a Kelly. He's got a, a KV. And um, I'm using Moser Custom Shops, which are built for me by the um, original guy that built BC Rich 
bitch back in um, 1978, and uh, he's built oh, cool. four guitars for me, and you know I'm I'm cranking cranking them out at the gigs. So it's 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 stripped down old school thrash metal as you can get as far as gear goes, but you know it just it sounds great, so why change it? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. So let's um you know we talked about studios, let's talk about shows. You um, guys played various shows in a bunch of different places. I heard you toured other countries and whatnot. Can you tell us about it? Tom, take the take the helm, Tom. Me? Oh, well, I mean, uh, actually, you know, I mean, we did, actually with Chris, Germany was his second official show and was my third official show. So, I mean, we're still new as far as the live shows go, but, I mean, we've done nothing but impress. People loved it. They'd come up with signing autographs. Uh, we were in Germany. People were telling us they were waiting 25 years for Blood Feast to come to, to Europe. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, the Headbangers show in uh, in July was just amazing. I was I was totally blown away. The crowd was nuts. We were the only band that had a mosh pit over the whole course of the uh, the festival. So I mean, we seem to be doing the right thing. And like Kevin said, you know, I mean, we're all we're all old dogs at this. We've been doing it a long time. So it's not like you know we don't know what we're doing. So well, we I don't, I don't, I don't know just how old of a dog we are, but you yeah, know. But you know what I'm saying? We've been <laughs> a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're a baby fan. I know that, John. I'm the old guy. So, you know, I've seen a lot. But as this version of Blood Feast goes, we're we're just getting up on our feet, and it just seems to be working. I mean, people just seem to be loving what we're doing. So, uh, guess we just move forward and see where we go from here. You know? Well, you know, I, and I have to say, a lot of the, a lot of the um, reviews that have come out for the show have. Aside from you know going through the, you know the whole every moment of the show, the main focal point seems to be that we came on the stage or we or we come on the stage wherever we play, and it, it appears that we just have this interest and passion for what we do, and we're so into it and so energetic about it that we love what we do, and that comes off, and to me that just speaks in volumes to everyone that if you love what you do and you're passionate about what you do, exactly. it shows. And that's, and that's, that's to me, when I see a band doing that, that's true. So Chris, you know. what was it, uh, what was it like for you touring over there since this is what your first, second show with them? Is that what I heard? It was, uh, it, well, it was my, for, it was my second official show. We did a kind of like a warm up show, um, up at, uh, up towards North Jersey, like the week before, two weeks before, but Germany was my real official show. And, um, it, you know, it, it was nerve wracking. Uh, I, for one, I'd never been overseas before. And two, the, the festival had been sold out for months, uh, going over there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's blood feast. These guys just aren't, you know, just a, another local band. Like these guys have a name. So it definitely, me being the new singer, it definitely kind of adds a little more, uh, excitement slash pressure because you want to be, you know, people like Tom had said, they've been waiting years to see blood feast. So, you know, the, the job was for the five of us out there and just rule all and destroy everyone before us and after us. And according to the reviews, that's exactly what we did. So it, it was very exciting, very nerve wracking. Uh, it's still kind of nerve wracking, but, uh, but it's exciting all at the same time. Let, let, let me let me add just one thing. And Chris, uh, Chris just said he was nerve wracking. He was nervous, all that stuff. But as soon as he stepped on the stage, he took to like a fish to water. And by the <laughs> second song, I'm looking around on the stage. I'm seeing where, where's my singer, and he turns out he's in the mosh pit. So yeah, he was real nervous. 
It was kind of cool when he took that chick out of the audience by a, a, a noose made of his microphone wire and just started like acting as if he was beating her up during like hunting. Oh, well, I'll have to the next row for that. And you had to see it. The people looking in front of him were like, oh my God, what do I do? Should I help her or, or should I just get into the music? That's you know? awesome. <laughs> it was great. It was really great. Great show. So people have been waiting to see you live, you said. So you would say you have a very loyal fan base and tell us a little bit about your fan base. Well, I would, I would say over there we have a, a good fan base. Over in Europe, we had a, okay. we had a good fan base because when we did the meet and greet, we were meeting people that said they drove up from Italy they drove over from France. They came down from um, Norway to see us. So it was it was one of those you gotta be kidding me moments, you know. But yeah. it was it was that's that's you know that's and and again when I was talking to some of these fans, they were saying, oh, I drove I drove a day, I drove two days, I drove six hours. And to think about that over here, how many of us won't drive more than twenty minutes to see a show for their favorite band because it's not in their local area? And it just blew me away that. These fans are so dedicated to this. It was, it was just, they're so passionate into it. And they'll take a day or two to go see you. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was mind-blowing. And they're not kids anymore either. These are, these are people in their 30s and 40s that are so dedicated. Because in Europe, they don't forget about the metal. They love it over there. So, no, well, they don't forget it out here also. But it, it's a yeah. different scene. But there are many yeah. fans here that, you know, we get emails on MySpace or Facebook a lot. That, you know, they c come to see us, you know. We get a lot of come to see us in Mexico, come to see us in California and everything like that, which is great. But the issue is with that is, the, you know, it's, it's tough to get the funds to just travel in America and go over there and do this and that because, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the economy's bad. So it hurts the fans here because we can't get around as much. So hopefully with the new album out and the DVD of our European show coming out next week, hope, hope next year, something, something will work out so we can, you know, maybe have some more funds to get around the USA. Because, you know, it, it's not cheap to get around here. You know, it's not cheap to get around there, but they do have a little more money and they're willing to spend to help us to get over there. So that was helpful. So when that, when that seems to get better here, we'll be able to get around here more. Where was the, um, the DVD shot at? Where did they record um, that? It was the Headbangers Open Air. At the Headbangers Open. Yeah. Now, we're discussing whether it's going to be a full release or just a few songs now, but we'll see. But it'll definitely be coming out next year. Now, you mentioned about uh, some, obviously seeing the fans there and they're not kids. Did you find that the younger people were going for it as well, too? Or really no, it, it, no, zero, zero, zero age variance over there. I saw people walking into the festival with kids under 10 years old, probably six, seven, eight, up and up. You know, they had their little headphones on so they don't blow their ears out. And they, you know, they all, what blew my mind was they all had the denim jackets on with the patches, no matter what age you were. You know, they had, you know, some kids were rocking spandex pants or the black and white striped jeans. It was, it was, it was amazing. I, I felt like I just walked out of an Iron Maiden show in 1980. You know, <laughs> it was, it was just, it was amazing. It blew our minds to see all this. And as when you look out in the crowd and see a sea of heads, denim jackets with patches and autographs from all their favorite bands. It was just great. And another thing out there, all these bands, like, you know, we play with Destruction. We play with Raven, you know. They were rocking the crowd, too. They were out there hanging out, you know, meeting people. There was no segregation, no, no serious security, like, oh, you can't go here, you know. It was like, oh, if you want to see your favorite band, it wasn't a problem. Do you think any of that has to do with the promotion there? And how does that differ from promo here? 
shows are completely different over there. They're just, you know, I don't know if it has to do with, you know, people coming out. People just don't go out to shows here anymore like that, or not much, you know. People take their leisure time a lot more serious over there. And I, I would have to say the whole time we were there, I didn't see a police officer. Yeah, I think we saw one as we were driving in, but again, people there, I mean, again, I, I, you know, when I was there a year or two before doing a show, I noticed that you know, they, people watched the show and they went to sleep on the hood of their car or in the field. It, it doesn't happen here. You know, it's just, it's more laid back. They can be interested in it. And it's, it's not as, I would, I hate to use this word, I'm going to say commercialized as it is here. You know, because a lot of the bands that we grew up listening to here are still going there and putting stuff out, you know, year after year, which you never hear of them here. But they're over there and they're consistent. So it's, it's just, it's two different, it's two different worlds. Yeah, there's two oh, over there. When we were in the, we were in the airport waiting to leave in Newark Airport, we were leaving. Um, Joe Lynn Turner was there. He was going to Europe to go play some shows. Right, and, and the bass player from Rainbow was with him. Rainbow, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember his name, but he, he was you no, know, a really was, cool guy. He was on the first album, I believe. Bob Daisley, was it? Bob, Bob Daisley, Daisley was uh, played on Ozzy's first two records, yep. Nice, wow. They were going to Europe to play shows, too. They were leaving the same mm-hmm. time we were. You know, and he was going to stay there for four months. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he would so come guys, back here, come back here, do a few shows, and then go back over there and just live, you know, and do shows. Let's hear another track. It's Ace Hate by Bloodfeast. <laughs>
that was Ace Hate by Blood Feast. Have the goals of the band changed over time? Uh, well, uh, has the goals changed? Uh, I don't think I don't think any any goals have changed. I mean, I think you know, I think again, there was a big lapse of time between when we actually broke up in like '92, '93, compared to like where our heads are and where our attitude is now. But again, it's like a whole new era for us at this point. I mean, it's really like. Again, we have better musicians in the band. Um, you know, we're looking forward to writing new stuff. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a completely different time and era. So as far as goals, though, I mean, no. I think we want to continue doing what we were doing back then. We want to do it better. We want to do it with better musicianship. We want to do it with better production if we want to put something out. And, I mean, it's just, again, it's just a... I think, it, I think our heads are in a natural progression that any other band would want to be at. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every band strives to be better with everything that they do. So we're, we're no different. I mean, we want to continue doing what we're doing, but we just want to continue doing it better. And I mean, I mean to, to be honest with you, I mean, how many, all of us in the band here, all of our attitudes are, are basically the same. We just, we want to play, we want to enjoy it, we want to put something out, we want to thrash it as hard as we can. So, I mean, having that mentality, we're not in it for anything other than that. And being that we're all stable on our own lives, we can come together and not be concerned about, oh, well, i got to do this, or the band's not going to like me, or this or that. There's no competition within the band. It's, it's strictly moving forward, and it's, it's comfortable. So I, I, I think that, in essence, hasn't changed from any of us from being, you know, from the 80s or whatever. We just want to play. We want to have a good time and get as far as we can with what we're doing. So in the music industry today, what's the biggest obstacle bands are facing now as opposed to when you guys first started out? Getting people to buy products. <laughs> yeah, getting, getting people to buy products. Yeah, getting people yeah. to buy products. I mean, it's so easy now to access, like, I mean, let's face it. Anybody who listens to music nowadays, I mean, yeah, you know what, you're probably going to buy, like, your really favorite band CD. You know, everyone's going to go out and buy their Iron Maiden CD and their Judas Priest CD. And I think the obstacle at this point is really, you know, you're going to have old school guys like, well, myself, for instance. I mean, I still like, you know, getting a CD in my hand and having, like, you know, the artwork to look at and lyrics to read. And you have a whole new generation of kids who are being brought up on just a silver disc. You know, they, they don't have the appreciation for, like, when we were buying albums back in the day and where you were able to get your record, and I remember, like, getting a record and bringing it home and, like, reading every inch of it, you know, because you had artwork to look at, you had, you know, lyrics to read, you, you had, you know, a lot of stuff on the inside of the record, and now, you know, like I said, this new generation of kids is pretty much just being brought up on a silver disc. I mean, they're downloading something, and the majority of the times, let's face it, they're, they're not paying anything to download it. So, I mean, they're getting their music for free, number one. They're not getting any kind of, like, packaging with it or anything like that. So they're not being brought up on the packaging aspect of it. They're just, again, it's a silver disc, you know, with some music on it. So I think the issue becomes, you know, you have, how do you sell products now? How do you actually, besides using the Internet, and of course it's great to, like, you know, get your name out there, but when you're actually trying to make a living on it, or if you're about to try to make a living on something like this, how do you go about it nowadays, you know? I mean, I know record labels are having such a hard time you know, making money from their, their bands selling records that what they're doing now is they're starting to dip into their, their merchandise and their touring money and so on and so forth because they're not seeing any kind of, you know, you know give back on, on, on the records themselves because they're, they're not really selling records. I mean, how many records does it take to sell now to even get on Billboard? 
it's like a few thousand records you can get yourself on Billboard. You know what I mean? Like well, back in the day, you, you had to you had to sell yeah. you know you had to sell thousands and thousands of records to get on there. Yeah, but now they go by downloads now. It seems like that's how they count record sales. And, yeah, those, you know, it's those not are a legit. full record. It's a couple of songs here and there. It's not even, yeah. you, know, you know. But those are legit downloads. Those aren't the downloads that kids that are listening to a lot of metal are downloading because those downloads seem to be free. You know, they're going to the torrent sites or whatever. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, for the record company, it's all about what can you do for us to make money in the millions? So as, as a metal band, you know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to do that unless you're an established band. And the new bands that are coming up, unless you're on some, some label that is just, you know, incredible and has the funds to push you and put you out on the road doing, you know, five shows or six shows a week, it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's hard for a, um, a lower band, you know, or a band of, of more of a, um, more in tune to what they want to do as opposed to being, you know, the labels, you know, labels boys, you know. So it's, 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 it's different. It's a different world now. Gotcha, gotcha. No, I, uh, thing is, I don't think there's any kind of middle ground anymore in the music uh, industry, no. whatever it be, because unless you're, no. you're real high up or you're a, a band just starting out, right. in between, it's like a wasteland now. There's nothing going on. There's not a building of a scene or anything like that. It's all like everything is everything is everything now. It's like there's no, it's hard to explain, but it just doesn't seem like there's a, a middle ground to it. It isn't a sophomore place to be anymore. It's either you're real high up or you're just doing it as a hobby almost, you know? No, and these bigger labels, yeah. they're not even giving you your sophomore or junior yeah. release anymore. Yeah. If you don't, if they don't make the money back on their first label, on their first record, forget yeah. it, you're gone. What advice do you have for these younger bands and musicians and the kid with the mohawk and the jean jacket playing the acoustic guitar and wants to go electric soon? I want to hear Tom answer this first. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, you, you want to hear, you want to hear me? Stay out of our way. <laughs> I will kill you. I hit you. Die. That's not even it. Just stay out of our way. Because we, we need fishes, man. We yeah, you know what? If you're playing acoustic, just get the fuck out of our way. Because you're yeah, playing acoustic. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Buy a fucking electric. <laughs> Buy a distortion pedal. Fuck that country yeah, I, shit. For those that for those that don't know Tom, he's sweating right now. His veins are pulsing on his forehead, <laughs> and he's sharpening the knife. So get out of the way. He's gonna kill you. Face plays. We're very primal, man. I'm a, I'm just a caveman with a four string club. That's all. Right. Yeah, very primal instrument bass. Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> That is seriously my favorite answer we've ever gotten. Stay out of our way. That is, it's great. It, it's good. It, it speaks blood speech. Okay, there's like, no politically correct shit in this man. We no, don't like it is. Just get out of the way. Stay out of the way. I like that. Okay, so how can we stay in contact with you guys? Well, you could, there's three, there's actually three ways. Uh, our website, which is, we're currently trying to get it more updated than it has been recently, but that's strengthofblood.com. And then our MySpace is Blood Feast Band, MySpace. And then our Facebook is Blood Feast Official. So any of those three ways you can get hold of us. This is Amanda Mayhem and Sean from Unclaimed Band. And we would like to thank Blood Feast for sitting down with us for our first conference call via Skype. And you can check out more podcasts at unclaimedbands.com. As always, with passion.
The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of unclaimed bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries.